Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us today. It's Farmer Friday. We'd love to hear from you all throughout the show. Our phone lines are going to be open. Our number here is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You could also email us, radio at agphd.com, or send us a note on Twitter, agphdmedia, Darren Hefty or Brian Hefty. All right, so we're going to get to the Ag PhD mailbag in just a minute. I'll just say this. We've been getting questions a lot here over the last couple weeks that basically come down to this. Is it worth it to invest more money in my crop? Now, your crop might be looking great, might not be looking the best. Um, You may believe the grain markets are going up more. Maybe you think they're going down. Um, Look, at the end of the day, I don't really care much about any of that. You know what I do care about? Can I make money by investing more into my crop? And you might say, well, commodity prices play a role in it. Yeah, they do. But all we can figure is what's the price today? What can I sell my crop for this fall today? And not speculation, anything else. And what are the odds that whatever it is I spray or do to my crop is going to pay? So I don't care if it's A herbicide, insecticide, fungicide, miticide, some biological or natural product, fertilizer, anything. We just have to ask ourselves, all right, what are the odds this is going to pay? And that's all I really care about. So on our own farm, yeah, we're still doing a whole bunch of stuff. Our top end yield is gone on corn. still there on soybeans, but it's gone on corn because we had severe drought here. That's the way it goes. I, I mean, we can still make money and... I, I, it doesn't matter if my corn's going to be 180 or 280. I, I don't. That has nothing to do with this discussion. It is simply okay if I put twenty dollars into the crop in whatever it is. Is it going to give me more than twenty dollars back? If so, hey, I'm interested. If not, then we strike that. But we do have enough. Um, opportunity yet, I would say, for different things we can do in corn and lots of opportunities in soybeans to either increase yield or protect yield, however you want to look at it. So as you're making these decisions here in the next couple of weeks, we'll be talking more about these things, but just always keep that in mind. Doesn't really matter what's happened in the past. Doesn't matter uh, if you think prices are going up or down or how great or poor your crop's going to be. What does matter is just one question. Will this pay? All right, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's the mailbag! First question from Ryan. When you see tar spot in a cornfield, how long does it take before that impacts corn yield? It already has. It's already already, too late. It's already been there two weeks minimum by the time you first start seeing it on your leaves. So, yeah, it's already been there for a while. Yep. Yeah, that's the unfortunate thing with with spraying a fungicide, you've got to pull that trigger early. Now, weeds and insects, I mean, I can also make the argument that when you've seen, by the time you've seen them, some yield has been lost, but it's in many cases very, very little if you catch it early enough. But on that disease, yeah, by the the time you see it, well, it's the same thing as a nutrient deficiency. Um, If you see yellowing in your leaves from nitrogen or potassium deficiency, for example, oh, you've already lost a bunch of yield. Same kind of thing with the disease disease uh, issue. 
All right, uh, I get this qu- or comment in from JP down in Brazil. He said, I want to thank you guys for all you're doing. I've been listening to your show, trying to improve yield, and want to come up to the U.S. to your field day some year. This year is the first year we're going to harvest more than 100 bushels per acre dry land corn after soybeans using it as a double crop. Wow, that's awesome, JP. Uh, he said, we're using less irrigation water by putting fertilizer, lime, and manure deeper in the soil. We are not seeing results by just broadcasting stuff on top of the ground. Yep. Uh, we're, we're trying to get stuff deep. And he said, just, just want to tell you guys, it's hard to find people like you that say the truth. Most people are trying to sell their miracle <laughs> products. Yes, <Aren't> they? <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> hey, JP, thank you so much. Yeah, I hope you do make it up sometime. That'd be awesome to see you. And uh, just send in any emails if you have any questions for us, too. Uh, this one's from Petey over in Idaho. Uh, do you guys monitor vapor pressure deficit during the growing season? It's a combination, the way I understand it, of temperature, humidity, and amount of carbon dioxide. Nope. No, we don't measure that. I, I will say this, though. We have a big advantage where we grow crops because normally people think about South Dakota as really dry, and we talk about it as really dry, and it is. We don't get a lot of rain. But we're lucky that we do have a fair amount of humidity. And that's a really big thing. So, and as far as carbon dioxide and measuring that, well, we know that our plants are sequestering, they're, they're bringing in, they're basically breathing in lots of carbon dioxide and they're kicking out lots of, lots of oxygen. I'd love to be able to measure that with some kind of simple tool, that'd be great. So then all these climate change people, we could maybe ease their minds a little bit with all our cropping practices because I think we are contributing way more positively to the environment than anybody can even imagine. And I want to be able to quantify that someday. Yep, I agree. Hey, thanks uh, for the question. We appreciate that. This one comes from Andrew up in New York. He said, uh, hey, guys, uh, I just wonder if you could take a look at these soybean leaves and let me know what's going on. It's been a weird year here. It was cold and dry for a couple months now. It's extremely wet, hot, and humid. We just sprayed our beans with some herbicide last week. Is this from spraying the beans or is this some sort of disease? Yeah, it it looks like a leaf burn. That's... See, this is really hard to tell when all we get is some clo- couple of close-up pictures. And and thanks for the pictures, by the way. No, we I, appreciate I, it. I think it's pretty but, easy to tell. That looks like it came from your spray. And, most and I'm likely. Curious, but, the other thing you could do with those kinds of questions is tell us exactly what went in the spray tank. Because right. if you said, I have crop oil and ammonium sulfate in there, I'd say, yep, that looks like crop oil and ammonium sulfate and what that could do to me. Yeah, but all I'm getting at here is, as an agronomist, it's so much easier being in the field and you can see, let's say, untreated spots. That's one of the the key tip-offs here is, hey, if there's, let's say, a corner or a spot that you just missed a little bit, uh, then if that looks perfect, well, then you have your answer immediately. But And then it's also interesting to see, okay, which leaves are affected, which leaves are not, and things like that. Thanks for the questions. It is Farmer Friday today. I can't believe it's Friday already. It's awesome. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be right back. Get uniform control in your fields with trusted, hardworking Lucento fungicide. Control the toughest diseases with a dual mode of action fungicide that consistently outperforms the competition and field trials. Lucinto fungicide from FMC works overtime for lasting control to help improve crop yields. Talk about getting the job done. 
Visit your FMC retailer or lucento.ag.fmc.com for hardworking control in your fields. Always read and follow all label directions. What does it really mean to provide the best crop nutrition? With AgroLiquid, you're getting a one-of-a-kind approach, one that caters to your specific agronomic needs. You're getting a crop nutrition plan that maximizes your fertilizer applications from every drop, all while accounting for your management practices and the products you're already using. But it's not just a product. It's peace of mind, knowing we've thought of everything. That's the AgroLiquid way. Apply less, expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. You won't want to miss this year's Ag PhD Field Day with guided tours of our extensive research plots, world premieres of the latest ag technologies, the highest yielding farmers on the planet, and more equipment running than ever before. The Ag PhD Field Day just keeps getting bigger and better. We'll also have great family entertainment, including a kids' area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and food and drink available all throughout the day. But the best part is everything's free. Go to agphd.com to learn more for the Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 27th. Insects have reigned since the dawn of time. Adapted to their surroundings, experience the harshest climates and toughest challenges until now. With two modes of action, Ridgeback Insecticide delivers one devastating outcome for soybean aphids, extinction from your fields. They may have lived through it all, but they won't survive this. End soybean aphids reign at ridgeback.corteva.us. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here along with my brother Darren. We're live in the Morton studio today on a Farmer Friday. If you want to call in, it's 844-44-AG-PHD. It's what Larry did from down in Iowa. Hey, Larry, how are things going for you today? Well, I'm sitting on the back porch uh, praying it would rain. And right now we've had a trace of a tenth of an inch of rain and the storm went south of us. Sounds almost exactly like what happened to us today. So, uh, Larry, maybe you and I just both need to pray a little bit harder. So, um, (laughs) maybe next week uh, we'll we'll get some more rain. (laughs) I've tried, but we are really, really hurting. Uh, Yeah, we are too. Yeah, our corn looked about Um, as bad as I've ever seen it on Monday. We lucked out and we got an inch of rain Monday night. And that was the first, like, real good rain we've had in a really long time. Maybe all spring. So... I, I mean, I was thankful for that, but yeah, we, we need more. We're still in pretty severe drought. Hey, I heard you had a couple of things on dicamba for us. Uh, one of the, I wanted to tell you that this is the first time that I can remember not having dicamba damaged beans. Hmm. I mean, they were planted um, in April. Yep, and it took a long time for them to come up because we were so dry. Yeah, but I do not see any, and I've called you before, but I just don't see any damage this year. Good, in the beans. Yep, awesome. So I'm assuming I, I, then a lot of your neighbors have kind of gone to enlist or conventional or something like that, huh? Uh, I haven't asked. <laughs> I guess because the because yep. the year that I turned stuff into the state of Iowa, I know there was some people weren't happy with me. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, and my question, I mean, uh-huh. I got a lot of them, but this one, I have to rebuild a corn head. Okay. And do you have any experience or any thoughts about, uh, BT rolls or devastator rolls or upgrades on the head that you've done that work good for you? Um, well, let's put it this way. There are a lot of different heads out there. We have tried many. 
uh, we haven't, let's say, in the last 10 years done a whole rebuild on a head or anything like that because we've been trading heads off and trying different things. But I, there's one thing that I, I won't go away from anymore, and that's I've got to have chopping. For me, that's been huge. Uh, how exactly you want to do that, there are different methods. Every every company, it seems like, does it a little bit different way. But I love the chopping because we've done no-till, strip-till, and conventional till in the last 10 years. And any way, any system I'm in, I want that residue smaller because it breaks down faster. And then I also, in the spring, have less hairpinning of residue. We have a little warmer soil. We, we get the quicker breakdown, which also means that we have the nutrients coming back into the system and back available sooner for the next crop. So that's probably the uh, my only thing where, uh, like for me, I'm going to say, look, this is non-negotiable. I have to have a chopping corn head. Other than that, yeah, I don't know exactly what the best system is, the best head, anything else. There are a lot of good ones. I was uh, going to rebuild what I got, sure. and I'm kind of leaning. What I like is the looks of those Calmar BT rolls. Yep, yep, yep. And uh, it looks like that guy's done a lot of stuff with no-till. Yep, yep, yeah. I, I, I have I have looked at that also, and uh, I, I certainly don't have any problem with that. It makes a lot of sense to me. So, But like I say, I mean, there's a lot of good stuff out there, a lot of good heads, and I, and and I understand the the want and the desire to rebuild what you've got, putting new equipment on it or new new parts on it. Certainly a good idea. I, I mean, hopefully you're going to end up with some rain now, and hopefully you're going to end up with some decent yield. But you know, even if for all of us, if we don't end up with our best yields ever, think about what we're able to produce now, even in a drought, compared to what they did 20, 30 years ago. I mean, our dad talked to us all the time about 1976, where they didn't raise diddly squat, and they had, uh, you know terrible drought conditions. Well, this year we have terrible drought conditions. I'm still planning on at least 180 bushel average corn. Uh, I hope it doesn't. <laughs> I, I, yep. I'll take that. I'll take that right now. Uh, may, I, may I tell you one more yeah, thing and I'll let you go. You the agronomist says he doesn't see any tar spot or any insect pressure in the corn yet. Yep. But fungi, airplane fungicide application is going to start next week. Yep. We have just started tasseling. Yeah. And uh, he tells me to keep watching because he thinks I ought to do mine in about a week. Yep. So we were just talking about this in our first segment that basically with fungicide, you, you can't scout, see the disease, and then spray. You will have already lost yield. So that's where it gets really tricky because... I can see it on both sides here, Larry. If you say, hey, there's tar spot around. We know guys that have had lots of yield loss just in the last year, and they're predicting that, hey, this could be an issue. But on the flip side, if you say, well, I have dry conditions, which would make tar spot less likely to happen, so I don't know if it will pay, and it's not like it's super cheap to go out there with a plane and, and put fungicide and insecticide and all this stuff on. So I, I know we've, we've been having that debate on our own farm, too. But I, I, I guess everybody's got to make their own choice on that. I wish I could tell you, oh, for sure do this and it'll pay. I, I, I don't know that I can do that. I just know tar spot's really bad. And if you get it um, and, and you try to spray after that, you've already lost a bunch of yield. Well, we did uh, 
we did have it last year, and it was okay. pretty bad, but it yep. did come late. Yeah, yep. And, and you could see it. Even I don't know what to look for, and I could see it. Yeah, well, I, I, I would say there is time to spray fungus. It's not like you have to spray next week if you say, boy, the conditions aren't good for tar spot, but all of a sudden it starts raining next week and the week after. You can spray in a two or three weeks, and it might still pay for you. It, it's hard to say when that disease is going to come in. We never know from year to year. Yeah, it, it's another hard decision. I believe he told me what uh, forty bucks an acre for aerial. Oh wow, uh, hmm. is, that, is that right? Well, I, all depends on what you're putting in there. So, I mean, I know that a plane around here is probably going to cost you ten bucks an acre. So you got that, and then it just depends on what you want to run with for a fungicide combination. A lot of them are fifteen to twenty dollars. So I would expect most guys are going to spend $25 to $30 for sure. And then it's a question, do you want to throw a little fertilizer in? Do you want to throw some insecticide in? Do you want to throw a biological product in? So, I mean, I can start stacking those things up just depending on if I think anything in there might pay. So, but, you know, $40, $40, I know it sounds like a lot. It does to me, too. I, I have a tough time writing a check for that. But... It's only, if I have $5 corn, that's eight bushels. And we know what tar spot can do by itself, forgetting about the insects and all the other stuff. So, yep, I know it's not an easy decision. I wish I could help you more on that, Larry, but uh, we like I, I, I guess we just have to kind of play it by ear here, and hopefully you're going to start getting some rain, and, and hopefully you go, hey, you know what, uh, I think the crop's going to be better, and, and, and you pull the trigger at that point. Um, can I tell you about one more incident? Sure. Do you want me to yeah. no, be ahead. done? No, go ahead. Two years, uh, two years ago, I got a modern used field cultivator. Yep. With a, a rolling basket, two-bar harrow. Yep. My emergence has promo- um, improved tremendously with no work on my planter. It's really noticeable. Yeah, this it is was a really smart buy. Yeah, I I can see that. This is one of the things Darren was telling me before we improved our field cultivator, got a better one. That look, he, he's like, we don't have an even seed bed here, and you dig down, and when that floor is uneven and wavy, then what do you think's going to happen with the seed? And I'm like, yeah, I guess you're right. So. Fortunately, guys like Darren are out in the field look, <laughs> looking more often than I am because he and some other people had noticed things like that and were telling me, yep, it's you probably better do something with this field cultivator because sticking around with the old one, uh, it's not paying for you on your farm. Hey, uh, Larry, well, uh, thanks a lot for calling in today. Really appreciate it. We'll pray for some rain for you. Hopefully the, the crop turns out better than, than we all think here. And uh, we'll just have to see in this disease thing and everything else. But uh, we wish the best of luck. Oh, thank you very much. Thanks yep. for listening. Yep, you bet. This Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. And our phone lines are open at 844 844- 44 ag phd can also email us radio at ag phd.com and we've been getting a lot of questions in and a lot of pictures and uh, it's kind of fun looking at some of the pictures trying to figure out what's going on in in some of these spots because believe it or not we don't get the pictures of look at how amazing my crop looks we usually get hey what's going on here why isn't it looking the best uh, anyway stay tuned we'd love to hear from you too and we'll be right back after this It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. 
It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. The hard-working, independent spirit of rural America can often be isolating. It's not often discussed, but mental health issues are real. Now's the time to lead by example. Talk openly and show that a strong mind is just as important as a strong body. FMC is proud to be working toward ending the misconceptions around mental health. Through awareness, guidance, and action, together we can uproot the stigma. You won't want to miss this year's Ag PhD Field Day. I'm Darren Hefty. Each summer on the last Thursday in July, we open up our farm to you so you can learn more ways to improve your farm. And the Ag PhD Field Day just keeps getting bigger and better. This year, we're featuring guided tours of our extensive research plots, world premieres of the latest ag technologies, numerous panels of the highest yielding farmers on the planet, and more equipment running in our demo area than we've ever had before. We'll also have great family entertainment, including a kid's area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and food and drinks available all throughout the day. But the best part is everything is free. We know that you're busy and your time is valuable. That's why we do everything we can to make sure the Ag PhD Field Day is a very worthwhile investment of your time. So please, go to agphd.com to learn more, and be sure to register to join us at this year's Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 27th. When it comes to cereal disease protection, Prosaro Pro 400 SC fungicide from Bayer makes all the difference. With three effective active ingredients for overlapping control of foliar and head diseases and a flexible application window for head scab, it's formulated to lower dawn, protect yield potential, and promote superior grain quality. Prosaro Pro, the future of plant health starts here. Visit prosaropro.com to learn more. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Get more points with the end zone from Farm Shop MFG. In a 20,000 bushel soybean bin, gaining three points of moisture adds the equivalent of 900 bushels to your bottom line. Call 712-520-6051. Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. On Farmer Fridays, we take your calls and questions all throughout the show. So if you've got an agronomic question, this is your shot. Or if you want to talk about how the crop is doing in your area, that's fine too. It's 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's head out to Virginia. Got Ben with us right now. How's it going, Ben? Hey, guys. I'm good. How are you all? Good. Well, we were talking to somebody else in Virginia earlier this week, and he was saying, man, we're, we're getting about ideal weather throughout this growing season. Is that working out on your farm, too? Well, only sort of. Uh, there for about two months in May and June, we couldn't buy a drop of rain, but uh, but since about two and a half weeks ago, it, it hadn't stopped. <laughs> it's funny how it can turn out a dime. Yeah, it, it sure did, and, and things were looking pretty bad, and now they look really, really good. So I'm uh, 
I'm actually pretty pleased with the way everything's turning out right now. Excellent. Excellent. That's great to hear. What What's next on your farm then? I, I, if it's raining all the time, it's tough to get out in the field and do much, but uh, what, what are you going to try to get after next? Well, I got chased out of the wheat field by uh, a little sprinkle. So, uh, I mean, I don't have much left, but um, after that comes off, I reckon I'll be trying to make a decision on what to do on uh, fungicide for corn. And that's that's uh, one of the two questions I've got for you today. I know the previous guy called in and asked about fungicide, but I'm looking to do a little more than just that. Okay. Go ahead with your questions. Um, okay. Um, the last few years I've had a plain flyover fungicide, and it's for me it's about $40 an acre, and every year it's paid, and I'm fine with that. I like that. But... Um, I'm wondering if I should be pushing any micros or maybe a little extra nitrogen late in the season. I do want to put an insecticide in, but uh, I'm just trying to push a little bit of top end yield. I'm wondering what you guys have and have to offer on that. Sure, sure. Is your aerial applicator open to putting more things in? He is. Yeah. So what I would say, Ben, is I on the uh, let's start with the nitrogen question. Um, if you've run soil tests and you say, hey, I got a lot of nitrogen in the soil, more than enough to finish out my crop, everything should be fine, the odds of adding nitrogen in and having it pay are one heck of a lot less than if you go, ooh, I'm just barely going to squeak by on nitrogen here. I don't have a lot of soil organic matter. You know, I'm not going to get a lot of mineralization or anything like that. So that's the number one factor that I'm looking at. So rather than just us making a blanket statement, oh, yeah, everybody should put nitrogen on corn, we don't see it that way. Where it pays is guys that are running, going to most likely run a little short or just barely get by. Like on our farm, we just did pre nitrate tests. We have, an, we have enough nitrogen out there to raise an extra 100, 150 bushels than what we're going to because of this drought, so I'm not putting any more nitrogen on. With the micronutrients, um, it, it may pay, but there again, I'm really curious about, well, what do we already have out there, and is there anything that we're short on or barely have enough of? So, I, I, I mean... I might try micros if I'm I'm doing some kind of blend and I'm not going to spend much money, but I certainly wouldn't do nitrogen without a bunch of soil testing or at least knowing kind of where I'm at. With the insecticide piece, that one's easy. You scout, you see bugs, and the threshold level changes completely if you say, hey, I'm already out there anyway. My only additional cost is the true cost of the insecticide. Okay, you don't have to have a lot of bugs in that case. If you weren't already making that trip, well, now the the trip itself is going to cost a lot of money, so the threshold would have to be a lot higher before I'd pull the trigger. So that's the main thing I'm looking at there. And I'll just tell you, like on our farm, we're using bifenthrin because it's got some activity in spider mites. Even though I don't, we're not finding mites right now, I'm concerned about it because of our drought conditions. So we we're basically are changing the insecticide we're using, spending an extra couple of bucks, just so I don't have to worry as much about spider mites because of the weather conditions. So that those are some of the things that we're thinking through with that insecticide choice. But we do have enough bugs out, so we are spraying our corn right now. We're actually using a ground rig. But we are spraying our corn right now and including insecticide because of the insect that are out there okay um i mean i've still got a few weeks to decide 
I'm not not quite to Tassel yet, but sure. um, usually late uh, this time of year, late July, early August is when the Japanese beetles come out to play. Yep, at least in this area. Um, five fenthrin would that be a a decent sure. way to go, yep. or should yep. I look into something else? No, bifenthrin would be a good choice for Japanese beetles. Um, they're okay. Yeah, they're you 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 should get them with with that choice. And unfortunately, we don't have Lorsban anymore. And a lot of people used to like Lorsban, but um, yeah, bifenthrin would be a good one. Right. Okay. Uh, one more question, if I've got sure. time. Yeah. Um, after this week comes off, I'm planning on putting in some double crop beans. Yep. Um, I was told by several people that they like to put chicken litter on ahead of beans i've never done that before mm-hmm. and i do have chicken litter yep. so i mean it's no cost to me really but um do you guys like that i'm looking at probably two tons to the acre and that's i, I want to say 60 to 70 pounds of nitrogen and then 70 80 p and k usually sure okay uh, the only thing that i don't possibly like is salt so we just don't want to get excessive on salt and so what i'm trying to say here is is a little bit of chicken litter okay absolutely but we just don't want to get too carried away (laughs) we've made the mistake even on our own farm when we've had some super late planted beans and we said you know we only have a few acres and we have lots of manure to spread let's just put it all out there That's that's a bad mistake. So soybeans are sensitive to salt. So as long as you're very cautious on that, you're in good shape. And let's put it this way too. Soybeans need more of their nutrients later in the year. A crop like corn needs more of its nutrients earlier in the season. So sometimes it's actually not bad putting nutrients out in front of beans, even if they don't use all of the P and K and things like that, because by the time those come available for that crop, it's later on in the year. And then you got some carryover going into next year's corn or whatever it is you're going to raise. So I have no issue with it. And getting 60 or 70 pounds of nitrogen out there, some people say, oh, the soybeans are going to get lazy and not produce nitrogen. You're only throwing 60 or 70 pounds out there. I mean, a good soybean crop needs 400. So you're just fine. Don't don't worry about it. Everything's good. Just don't get carried away in the rate. Okay. All right. That's uh, that's kind of what I was thinking. I was hoping that all that nitrogen would be a little bit on the flow release side and it will. maybe come available later when the bees actually want it and or need it. Yes. Yep. You're absolutely right. Okay. Well, that's all I've got for you guys today. Um, one of these days, I'll actually make it up to the field day, but uh, I can't convince my wife that South Dakota is better than the beach. What? So, uh, <laughs> That's, that is shocking, Ben. I mean, well, you got to come to South Dakota to see things like Mount Rushmore and the Badlands. And I mean, it, it, it's really a pretty neat state. And it's just, it's a lot different than, than where you're at in Virginia. I've been to Virginia many times over the years. And I mean, Virginia's a great state too. But I mean, that's kind of the, the fun thing about our country that we live in. It's so diverse. So I, I've been to all 50 states now, and every state is awesome. It's just, it's kind of fun to travel around a little bit. But seriously, like Mount Rushmore, Badlands, you, you don't want to miss those. Those are, those are awesome places oh, sure. to go. I've- I've been to both of them before, and I'm trying to tell her that they're great, but uh, there's no ocean next door. No, you're right. I'm going to have to work harder on it next time. All right. Well, good luck with that, Ben. Let us know what we can do to help. Yes, sir. All right. Thank you, guys. Have a good one. Yep, you too. 
Yeah, it's it's uh, coming up Thursday, July 27th, the Ag PhD Field Day. And if you haven't been to the field day before, you really need to come. It's it's quite interesting just from a farm perspective, all the things that you can learn and see all in one place. But also to see farmers from literally all over. There'll be farmers that we know are coming already from multiple countries. Hey, We've got farmers that come from 40 states hey, or one more other, each year, too. Yeah, one other thing, too. I, I would say most people drive to the field day, even if they're halfway across the country or in Canada or whatever. And you can certainly do that. But there is a big airport 10 miles from the field day site. So, I mean, like our last caller is from Virginia. Many times I've flown to Virginia, and then the very next day I I fly back home. It's no big deal. You can absolutely do that. Just fly into the Sioux Falls airport, no problem. All right, stay tuned. We'll get to more of your calls right after this. Combine header loss means loss income. Hi, Greg Souter from 360 Yield Center. It's common to see a two bushel loss per acre due to header loss. That's over $14 per acre. 360 Yield Saver replacement gathering chains cut header loss by cushioning the ear and by closing the gaps between the deck plates. 360 Yield Saver can cut header loss by 80%, adding $14 per acre. Learn more at 360yieldcenter.com. Win the war against weeds in your soybean fields with fierce herbicides from Valent USA. With three different formulations and multiple modes of action, you're sure to find the right fierce product to protect your operation from tough weeds like Palmer Amaranth and Water Hemp. Give your soybeans a strong, clean start with up to eight weeks of residual control with the powerful pre-emergence protection of Fierce Herbicide. Ask your local retailer or visit valent.com fierce to find the right fierce formulation for you. Always read and follow label instructions. You won't want to miss this year's Ag PhD Field Day. I'm Darren Hefty. Each summer on the last Thursday in July, we open up our farm to you so you can learn more ways to improve your farm. And the Ag PhD Field Day just keeps getting bigger and better. This year, we're featuring guided tours of our extensive research plots, world premieres of the latest ag technologies, numerous panels of the highest yielding farmers on the planet, and more equipment running in our demo area than we've ever had before. We'll also have great family entertainment, including a kid's area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and food and drinks available all throughout the day. But the best part is everything is free. We know that you're busy and your time is valuable. That's why we do everything we can to make sure the Ag PhD Field Day is a very worthwhile investment of your time. So please, go to agphd.com to learn more, and be sure to register to join us at this year's Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 27th. When it comes to protecting your field from disease and environmental stress, there's Revitec fungicide, and there's everything else. When it comes to unparalleled power, there's Revitec, and everything else. And when it comes to speed and stamina, this is Revitec, and this is everything else. Nothing else comes close to Revitec fungicide from BASF. Always read and follow label directions. Corn rootworms are called a billion-dollar bug for a reason. If you don't control the adult populations now, their offspring will cost you later. Steward EC Insecticide from FMC offers a unique mode of action that delivers fast and long-lasting residual control of corn rootworm beetles and other tough insects. Choose Steward EC Insecticide from FMC. Always read and follow label directions and precautions for use.
Farmer Friday and Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's get Daryl on next. He's down in the state of Iowa. Daryl, thanks for joining us. Hey, thank you. I enjoy your show a great deal. Awesome. Your thanks, Daryl. Knowledge is impressive and in- <laughs> but uh, I, uh, you mentioned earlier about the field cultivator and the, the great way it left your soil with the double rolling basket. And uh, I've, I've been using something the last two years that I've, I've just really thrilled with is the vertical tillage machine on both corn and soybean stubble. Uh, I, I don't hear a lot of talk about it. What do you guys, what's your opinion on vertical tillage machines? All right, vertical tillage machines seem to be more popular the further north you go because it's basically about, in in many cases, chopping up residue, getting a little bit of soil together with that residue, uh, not creating compaction in soil, and and not creating compaction in soils that can be uh, a little sticky sometimes, heavier soils, things like that. So guys want to dry things out. But they know that, boy, if they run out with a field cultivator and especially a disc, they're going to create a whole bunch of compaction. So our experience has been we've tried some vertical till machines in fairly extreme situations where it's been pretty wet and we go, ah, this is is questionable. And it actually turned out pretty good. So uh, Did you ever try it when it was really dry? I think did you ever try it when it was really dry? Because to me, I'm getting a lot of, of fracturing. Yep. That there, there's virtually no bottom in this now. After you run over that, it just destroys <laughs> that bottom in that soil and gets the roots down. Yep. Well, okay. There's when you say destroys the bottom, I talk to some guys that like that because exactly of exactly what you said. We get more roots deep, but then some guys don't like that because they go, well, after that, then all of a sudden, if it's wet, then I might sink way down and I may have a problem. So I, I've talked to guys that have said it both ways. All depends on what you like. But um, I, My experience go ahead. has been it's just the opposite. My experience has been just the opposite. Where I can go where I went with the vertical tillage way before I can go where I went with my disc gripper because that, that ground is just so mellow. It's kind of like well, the same effect you get from the no-till. You know, the no-till, yeah. you can go out before. Well, okay, so, uh, yeah, if we're comparing it to a deep ripper, yeah, I'm with you. I would agree with that statement. It's just that a lot of times, like in our strip-till, then we can go on the strip-till okay. ground prior to that. Sure. So that that's that's kind of what I'm comparing it to. But, yeah, I I, I guess right. we see a lot of benefits there. It's it's a tool. And so that that's one of the big things we always try to stress to people. We've got lots of tools available. It all depends on your situation, your cropping plans and issues and all that. Everybody's farm's a little bit different, so it's kind of hard to say. But, yeah, I mean, we, we've certainly seen a lot of success and a lot of people that have bought vertical till machines and love them. I appreciate your thoughts on it. And I want to offer this, too. When the people are coming up to your show and they're coming up 29, they need to take a look at those Lowe's Hills down there in Iowa, too. That's just amazing every time I go up through there. Yeah. Uh, that's that's a part of the trip you don't want to miss when you come <laughs> to your show. Yep. So, good, good suggestion right. for those coming from the south. So, hey, Daryl, thanks a lot for calling all in right. today. Appreciate it. 
Thank you for your opinions on the vertical chill. Thank you. You bet. Have a good day. You too. But yeah, Brian, with our 80 mile an hour speed limit here on our interstate highways, uh, it's only about <laughs> it's an hour to south things. to get down to yeah. those hills if you want to see those too. Uh, let's head over to Indiana. Got Jason on with us right now. How's it going, Jason? Hi there. It's going well. Nice day today. You bet. You bet. Are you guys catching some rain now? We have recently. We're, we're just starting to fire up some irrigation back up today. We were extremely dry prior to, say, a week ago, just like everybody else. Uh, we did get some rains that were really crop-saving, so we're very thankful for that. Outstanding. I, we get a lot of questions about the seed corn crop and what we hear from growers in areas that are raising seed corn. Uh, can you put everybody's fears to <laughs> to the side here and say, you know what, your seed corn crop is going to be okay for next year, or, or should we be concerned? Well, I can't speak for the entire country, obviously, but uh, I would say our area, the seed corn crop looks to be fine looks average uh maybe slightly behind a little bit but uh everything's fine and we're all mostly irrigated here from a sea corn standpoint so um everything looks good still too early to tell we gotta we gotta get it pollinated and and all that but uh crop looks decent yeah, and you know when you think about uh, all the different things that go into seed corn production, there there's a lot of extra care. Their inbreds are quite a bit different than hybrids out there, and it's it's fun to talk to to people about that. What's going on in this field? Why does it look so different? What well, how do how do inbreds handle a stress year like this? Well, as you can imagine, they not as well as commercial corn or hybrid corn. You've got a smaller root system, which is pretty much why they require to be almost 100% irrigated. We've just got a, you just got to baby that, that inbred. Yeah. Yeah. That, that definitely can be a challenge. How about the, how about the soybeans? What are the soybeans looking like and, and what are some of the next management steps happening there? <laughs> well, I would, we planted quite a few soybeans in April and it seemed like from the time they emerged till about June 25th, they grew about an inch. They were just not growing. Um, very slow. We were super dry. A lot of post applications going on right now with uh, the Enlist program. Uh, generally speaking, they look okay. Uh, we control and the soybeans look all right. Uh, but w one issue that I've got that this time of year that just is occupying my mind is how are we going to control water hemp and palmer or economically control it? Because it's We've had water hemp for a couple of years, and it's getting really bad, and we're starting to see Palmer move in, and it, it just, man, it keeps me awake at night. Well, Jason, I would just say, please don't let that keep you awake at night. We have lots of solutions out there. Um, I, I, Is this in a rotation with seed corn? Because that does make it a yes, challenge it when you've got that, uh, just not the cover that you get out of commercial corn. Yeah, that, particularly in our seed corn crop, it's a real challenge. We've got no plant areas. We're limited on certain herbicides. We, you know, we can't go out and spray Liberty on whatever we want. We've got time restrictions on uh, dicamba. It's just really tough, and we're spending an enormous amount of money on uh, Group 15s and residuals to try to keep it held back. But it's just, it's, it's really hard, and the stuff just grows like crazy, and it seems like a, a losing battle. Yeah, it, it is a challenge in certain crops when we're very limited like that. But when we talk regular corn and soybeans and wheat, uh, the three main crops in the United States, 
Uh, we can do an amazing job on it. It's just that it, it really takes a lot of pre-emerge herbicides. And then the biggest cultural practice that all of us can go to if we have to is narrower rows. I mean, we can do it in corn, in soybeans, heck, even wheat. You know, you don't have to be 10-inch. You can be 7-inch or 6-inch or whatever. So the narrower the row, the faster the crop canopy we're going to get. And then beyond that, just as a cultural practice, we do talk about trying to plant early, trying to uh, have the best fertility and drainage and all these other things. And in terms of herbicides, we are having some resistance issues. And so that's where you mentioned, okay, throwing a bunch of group 15s out, and throwing out, uh, very commonly, we're talking to guys about HPPDs. Well, we're seeing resistance with the HPPDs now, uh, with water hemp and Palmer, and with the Group 15s. I'm just concerned about overuse. So where I'm going with this, not to you know try to drag the conversation down or make anybody feel bad or anything, but it's just hey, when we go to soybeans, we got to use some other other options because a lot of people now are going away from the yellows and on to Group 15s, and it's like whoa, 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 you need to use a full rate of a Prowl or something like that, or use Trifluralin or you know incorporate some of these products into your your mix, metribuzin and stuff that we aren't going to use in in corn. So then hopefully when we get to the corn, oh, hey, we haven't used HPPD in a year or two. Great. Now it's probably going to work a lot better. So yeah, we've still got options, but I, I can understand that seed corn, it is a challenge. Do you know of any new chemistry coming nope. down the line? Nope. Nope, I don't. Nothing. That's the frustrating part. And that's where... That's why we just have to throw so many things at it and stay after it. And and that's also why I was talking about the cultural practices too, narrow rows and things like that. I wish we had more new stuff or any new stuff that was coming. I just don't see it. Hey, Jason, we get around, but uh, thanks a lot for calling in today. Appreciate it and good luck down there. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. When we told growers that New Bear Premium Trivolt Herbicide for corn delivers visibly clean fields for up to eight weeks, they were a bit skeptical. Um... We'll see how it works. So we decided to prove it. We set up cameras in multiple cornfields, treated them with Trivolt, and filmed for 24 hours a day. For eight weeks, we saw a variety of weather conditions, and Trivolt worked. See for yourself at TrivoltInAction.com. Trivolt is a restricted-use pesticide. Consult your state pesticide regulator for specific restrictions. Read and follow pesticide label directions. When I step on someone's farm, I feel like I've already walked a mile in their shoes. I spin spring on the tractor and fall in the combine. I see the excitement in my kids' eyes on our farm, but worry if there's enough of it for all of them. I make sure everything Case IH makes meets the challenges farmers face, because I face them too. My name is Ryan, I am a farmer, and I work at Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. You won't want to miss this year's Ag PhD Field Day. I'm Darren Hefty. Each summer on the last Thursday in July, we open up our farm to you so you can learn more ways to improve your farm. And the Ag PhD Field Day just keeps getting bigger and better. This year, we're featuring guided tours of our extensive research plots, world premieres of the latest ag technologies, numerous panels of the highest yielding farmers on the planet, and more equipment running in our demo area than we've ever had before. We'll also have great family entertainment, including a kids' area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and food and drinks available all throughout the day. But the best part is everything is free. We know that you're busy and your time is valuable. That's why we do everything we can to make sure the Ag PhD Field Day is a very worthwhile investment of your time. 
So please go to agphd.com to learn more and be sure to register to join us at this year's Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 27th. This season, get medieval on Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia fungicide from Valent USA. Here to shield your sugar beets from the treachery of Rhizoctonia, Excalia delivers excellent staying power, keeping your sugar beets from being conquered. Stay one step ahead of Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia. Ask your retailer or visit valent.com slash Excalia to learn more. Always read and follow legal instructions. Morton Buildings has served the American farmer for more than 120 years. From manufacturing our own building components to constructing your building, Morton takes pride in being the industry leader in post-frame construction by providing a quality building and exceptional customer service. A Morton is built to last for generations. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. Welcome back. It's Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio, and our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. You can call us here in the Morton studio, or you can send us an email, radio at agphd.com. We've got our friend Greg down in Nebraska on next. How you doing, Greg? Hey, I'm doing well, Darren. Nice rain this morning here. I had about 1.8 inches of oh, rain. Oh, wow. Really nice and slow. Yeah. So uh, real thankful for that. Uh this has really turned around since about June 24th. Um, I've had a total of 6.7 inches, and that's all come nice. So very thankful to get that. Oh, thank goodness. Nebraska has just had it rough the last few years here. So that's that, that pretty much ends the drought for you, doesn't it? Well, you know, on the drought monitor, uh, the part of the county that I uh, reside in, southwestern Madison County here in northeast Nebraska, is still labeled severe drought as of last uh, yesterday, the last uh, time the monitor occurred. We'll see if it makes a dent in it. But, you know, we have a lot of growing season left, and not all areas around here have received those amounts. Uh, some have been slighted uh, and really feel for those guys that are still waiting for that uh, moisture to come. But definitely has helped. And, uh, you know, this will take us through the middle part of the month, and uh, we'll see what uh, the rest of July and August does, especially for those beans in August. We're starting to see some pods already on some of our beans. Uh, just curious, did you spread your window out on planting on maturity groups of the beans you were planting? And if so, do you see any differences in growth right now? Yeah, great question. So uh, I really didn't spread my planting out. Everything worked so well there late April, and it was dry, and I just felt let's just, let's just go and uh, get after it and actually completed planting on May 4th, which was the earliest I've ever uh, finished planting. I did spread out my maturities quite a bit, though. I planted a fair amount of, uh, oh, about 50 acres, I guess, of about uh, of the 2.0 maturity. I'm going to follow some of that with triticale uh, here this fall and uh, with hopes of getting some forage next spring off of those acres. So I hope to be combining by mid-September on those. Those are blooming really nice and uh, really look good. Uh, my latest maturity, most of my my beans are in that 2.8 maturity range, but I have some uh, 3.3s that I also planted. So it does extend out, even though I planted pretty much all that same 10 days or so, uh, my maturities are spread out quite a bit. 
Yeah, I don't blame you at all. When soil conditions are fit and it's time to go, I would do the exact same thing. Absolutely. And uh, what was nice about it, on May 6th, I, I got an inch of rain, and then May 12th, it followed up with a couple inches of rain. So the stands are very, very good, and everything got up and running. Um, we just didn't have much rain there from mid-May to mid-June, but I guess... You know, the, the plants were, were still growing and uh, receiving some of that, uh, tapping into that moisture that they received earlier. And then uh, here, late June, it started raining, which is kind of really ideal situation setting up here. We're just going to need some timely rains here on out, though, to uh, make a great crop. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Well, Greg, glad to hear you're getting all this rain, and that that has to bode well for the area. Like you say, it's it's been spotty, so not everybody got that, and some may have gotten even more. But but we're sure happy for you. Hopefully, hopefully that happens up here too. We would love to see it. Good talking to you, Greg. We'll uh, catch up again down the road. Very good. Thanks, Darren. You bet. Got Trey on with us right now down in North Carolina. How's it going, Trey? Ryan, Darren, salutations. Happy Friday. How are you guys? Oh, we're doing well. We're doing well. How about uh, down in North Carolina? You guys you guys catching a good growing season there? Oh, yeah, yeah. We are. We are. We finally uh, finished up replanting some beans toward the end of last week so uh, we could enjoy July 4th. Uh, thrilled to report I still have all my digits and appendices <laughs> intact from the celebration. Yeah, that's the first thing you got to check out, no doubt about that. So what you working on now out on the farm? Uh, well, if, uh, Lord willing, we, we miss, uh, a splash and dash shower this evening, we'll be able to finish up spraying tomorrow, uh, our beans. And, um, and I think we have the aerial applicator lined up next week to, uh, apply some fungicide and, uh, nutritionals and insecticide on our corn. Interesting. Okay. So talk to me about that. Is it helicopter? Is it airplane? And, uh, getting a guy to do multiple products like that, is that, is that a hard thing or, or is your applicator like, Oh, no problem. No. Um, I, I think as long as you, uh, keep it minimal, uh, that they're willing to work with you. Um, our guys are great, great to work with. Um, and he's fixed wing. They do have a helicopter as well, but they'll be using the airplane on ours. Okay. Yeah. I know sometimes the helicopter applicators and I, and I get it. They're, they're trying to get stuff done. Uh, they, they're nervous about mixing too many things in just cause it takes some time to, to get everything mixed in. That's correct. That's correct. Well, you said yeah. spraying beans. Are we still spraying for weeds or are we putting fungicide on there too? No, it's uh it'll be for, for weeds. I'm afraid. Um, they're, they were late beans. Um, uh, we just had some issues with weather. Uh, early on, and uh, it was a late planting season for us. So we're probably second trifoliate now, coming back across uh, with our glyphosate and some uh, liquid parenthalum, and if needed, a PPO uh, with a micro pack as well. Okay, interesting. Uh, how about the wheat? Did, is that all off? Did everything turn out well there? Yeah, man. I tell you what, um, our, our wheat this year was, was phenomenal. Uh, I think we probably could have given uh, the UK a little bit of competition. Um, tried something a little different this year, um, double rolling. Uh, don't know if any other guys are, are trying that or not. So we, we rolled, packed the dirt down, uh, before planting and then came back across afterwards and, and saw a great deal of difference. Uh, we didn't have any issue with frost damage or anything along those lines where we did, where, uh, we did not go back with the, the second application of the roller. So, 
um, I think that was a, a big find for us. Interesting. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's always good to try some different practices out, and sometimes they don't work, but when they do, that's really fun. Yeah, yeah. So we'll uh, we'll try it on a few more acres this year and, and see if it wasn't just a blip on the radar. Yeah, and, and you're right. It, sometimes it's, well, that worked for that season and everything else. Is the soil just fluffy and light? Is that the reason that you want to get that firmed up? Yeah, yeah, in certain areas that is the case. Um, we do have uh, some darker nature ground in this area, and then you'll go into some other places where you got a little more clay base, a little mineral, so um, you don't have to be as cognizant with that. But on that lighter soil, yeah, we, we do uh, the fluffier type. It uh, seems like it helps tremendously. You bet. Well, Trey, thanks for the update. We really appreciate it and, and hope everything keeps going well for you so you get an awesome crop, uh, not just on the wheat, but on everything else too. Hey, take care, guys. God bless. You bet. God bless you as well. Uh, get questions that have come in too, Brian. I want to get a couple of these because oh, here's one that's that's actually really timely, and and I know Trey was just mentioning fungicide too. This one's from AJ, and AJ said, "Guys, uh, I'm looking at different adjuvants to put in uh, with my fungicide application on corn. Unfortunately, my my crop is so uneven. There's some areas that are tasseling, and some areas are not. And I'm curious about APE NPE free status on, and he names a certain." adjuvant you know what aj there are a lot of different ones out there and it's it is a little tricky i would suggest uh, and he, he mentions just the labels a little complicated yeah i would talk to your supplier on that one and just double check to right. make sure yep 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 for sure so yeah i i don't know on almost any companies hey does this one have it does this one not so again here here's what we're talking about we need to be ape and npe free with our spray adjuvants when we're spraying corn prior to tassel. Okay, so in especially where they've seen yield loss and it's basically arrested ear syndrome is what they're gonna call it, between like the V8 and tassel timing. Once you get to full tassel and beyond, it doesn't seem like a regular non-ionic surfactant or crop oil or methylated seed oil seems to hurt anything, but it's that pre-tassel timing where it does cause an issue. All right. Thanks for the question. Got this one in from PD, and he, he says, Hey, guys, I've heard several of your guests mention doing tests on irrigation water to see how it's impacting soil health, fertility, pH, yep. all those things. Just wondering, do you have any recommendations on specific tests for irrigation water like you do for specific tests on soils? You know, it varies, PD, the, the availability and what types of things they'll run lab by lab. So depending on what lab you're at, I would just talk to your lab, see what your choices are even. Some of them only have one choice, uh, but others may have two or three more. Well, yeah, but hold on a second. I mean, what we care about for the irrigation water is things like what's the pH? How much sodium are we talking about? How about salts? And, and just any nutrient that we can find out Okay, what, what, what's in there? Calcium, magnesium, everything. We, we want to know all the nutrients, the salts, all that stuff. So that's really what we're after. NPH. All right, thanks for the question. We really appreciate that. And thanks to you for listening today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio. 